What's going on, everybody? My name is Tristan, and you're about to watch the Bethel Moments podcast. But before we get into this, make sure you subscribe, comment, and share. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of the Bethel Moments podcast. Today, we have my friend and, um, and my elder at my church, uh, Pastor Brian Canfield. I'm so happy to have him. He's an absolute hope in dark situations, guys. He, he, he really ushers us to the well. And um, I'm so grateful to have him. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and welcome him. And let's get into this. Welcome, Pastor Brian. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, um, I am delighted for the fact that when I see a Christian come along in the body of Christ, that you have a hunger for God that I haven't seen in generations for a while, you know. Um, so I often think of you a lot um, in the sense of you growing up to become a spiritual giant in the kingdom. So I'm honored to get on this level. Uh, the Bible said, though thy beginning was yet small, thy latter end should increase greatly. And I see increase all over your life um, in your future. So right now, I'm not going to despise the days of small beginnings. Mm. And I feel like where we at right now is it's a launching pad. I feel God catapulting you to a new level. So let me just kick off by saying that. And thank you for inviting me on your podcast. You know, um, again, me and you have had other conversations and uh, I really don't do a whole lot of speaking. Uh, I do a lot of inspiring. Um, I don't do a lot of hype and pump people up because when you hype people and pump people, it goes away. But if you can inspire somebody to live a life of holiness and dedication to the Lord, uh, you have done a great thing for the kingdom. And, um, and I must say this, that I'm not so much of a church man, I'm a kingdom man. So in mm. that regards, um, the church is our operation, is the place that we carry out the functions uh, for the kingdom of heaven. But the headquarters, no doubt, is in the heavenly realms. Mm. So this broadcast that we're doing today, it's being reported to the heavenly realms. Um, and I can feel the heavenly host saying, well done, young sir, my good and gracious ser servant. So um, getting started, um, I just want to talk a little bit about I am a priest. And this is ironic because I can remember when you first came to venue and you reminded me, you said, you know, the only time I saw you on the stage when you was doing the offering, that was like my first Sunday there, you know, um, it's, it's my time to get behind the scenes and be a coach. Mm. Uh, it's not my time to be out front with the microphone in my hand, but if I can be behind the scenes to inspire people to go further. I feel like that's the greater part of my calling in this hour. And it's just to inspire a generation. Um, and when it comes down to the body of Christ, we have a fivefold ministry, and everyone is under the fivefold ministry is in the office of a priest. You know, you got your pastor, you got your teacher, you got your evangelist, you got your apostle, and I say this one in the distance, you got your prophet. Um, the church has been operating off of four of the fivefold ministry four we hear great pastors a dime a dozen teachers probably a dime a dozen uh evangelists a dime a dozen. apostles people erecting and with special mantles given 
a diamond. But when it comes down to that office of a prophet, it's something that people shy away from. Uh, that's because the office has been tainted and people have gotten afraid of that side of the fivefold ministry. Because listen to this. Every, all prophets may prophesy, but everybody that prophesies not a prophet. Because we hear prophetic utterance come out, we will automatically tag that person as being a prophet, but their character is not the nature that God explained to us about a prophet. So let's get into this, okay? Uh, on the first day you came, you heard me say something about 1 Peter 2 and 9, and it says simply, but we are a chosen race, not the black race, the white race, Hispanic race, the human race, human, spiritual dirt. We are a chosen race, uh, a people, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, a nation, a consecrated people where God's possessions and so that we could proclaim something. We, we are a chosen generation. We must proclaim something and we must proclaim the virtues about the one who called us, but he called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. So with that calling as a royal priesthood, we must go further than our current situation. But here's the thing, there's a pushback when we are a royal people. When you're special and God has called you to yourself, there's opposition and that's our middle name. We're gonna have opposition. There's always a war going on, but in the middle of the opposition, our hands get heavy, our feet get heavy, our hearts get low. And therefore, when it gets to that position, it's time for God to bring a voice on the scene that would inspire us once again to run after the things of God. This is why the office of the prophet is fought against so much. Because in this last round, I believe that we're in the last round, we see that there's all kind of havoc that's breaking forth right now. I remember being in the grocery store about two weeks ago and I can feel the rudeness, the heaviness. Uh, and it says that because of lawlessness, the love of many has waxed old. This is the hour that we in. This is not the generation that's promoting love. This is the generation that's promoting self-gratification. It's me, myself, and mine. So when, it, when, when, when the church takes on what the world is doing, which the church has done that, now it's time for a different voice to step in to clarify what God is doing. God is going to never do away with love. God will never do away with peace. God will never do away with his precept and his concept. But sometimes his love, his peace, his precepts, we get off, we get off the page. When we get off the page, he has to summon the gift of the fivefold ministry to help us get back on the page. So I'm going to read a little bit out of Jeremiah and we're going to start at the first chapter and we're going to go to the 12th verse. And there's some interesting caveats and nuggets that's in here. And, and I want you to open up your ears to hear what God is saying. Uh, I'm not going to break down every little part of it, but there's some things that stand out. So when I look at the first chapter and look at the first verse, it says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hekiah, of the priest 
the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hekiah, of who? Of the priests, of the chosen, of the special, of the one who's called to bring people out of darkness, were in Athenon and the land of Benjamin. Then he said, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Am Amnon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Now, it's very important that the Bible document that it was the 13th year. Because in biblical numerology, the number 13 is sin, depravity, wickedness, all hell breaking out. God summons the voice of the prophet when the church is backslidden. Uh, it's time to hear this voice, and it's coming through the platform of the priests. The prophet's not out of order, even though he'll come to your house, he'll come to you personally to set you in order, but he's well in order. He comes at the time when the church is at this worst moment. I've been saying at the beginning of this year, I've been saying it for the city of Chattanooga. I said, it's the year of the prophets. I said, it's the year of the prophets. And I've been saying this, the prophets are coming. The prophets are coming. And God said, stop saying it. He said, the prophets are here. He said, they've been clothed. He said, I unmasked them. I unveiled them. He said, these are the son of God that's being released in this hour because the church is backslidden. And while the church is backslidden, I'm raising up a voice. The third voice that says, and it came also in the days of jo uh, Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year, which that's the year of, that's the number of rebellion. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, Unto, uh, came into king of Judah unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So here we see again in that 11th year, there's a carrying away, there's a cap Jerusalem, which is the church, which is the foundation of peace, is now into captivity. If I'm reading on, then the word of the Lord came unto me, unto the prophet, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew who you were. Thou came forth and I sanctify, I put my hand on you. I put my blessing on you. I put my strength on you. Other words, I have printed you. You, 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 you remember the, uh, the story, the twilight, when the, the, uh, the little girl had the baby and, and I think it was Bella, or Zella, I think it was Bella had the baby. The baby was uncovered and the wolf guy because no one had covered him, had to come and print himself. He, if, if, we, if we was to use the world vernacular, he came and put a stank on him, okay? But he covered him, he, he sanctified him, he, he gave him a covering. So God's clarified this prophet that I'm pulling you out. I, I did this from the beginning and I am covering you. He said, and I ordained thee to be a prophet unto nation. He said, I didn't ordain you to be a prophet unto a nation. He said, nations, plural. That includes the planet. Prophets are regionally birthed, but their dominion or their jurisdiction is the planet. Sixth verse said, then I said, uh, Lord God, behold, I can't speak for I am a child. Listen, there's a level of birthing for everyone that has a calling on their life. We must start off as a child because the, the, the child years and what you're developing there is very important. That's why you don't despise small beginnings. And, and he told Timothy, you know, don't worry about that you being a child because one day you're going to grow. 
So it's good that you're starting off where you're at, but you stay in it so you can grow. So say not what you can do, but say what I can, what I will let you do or what I will qualify you to do. But then he said, but the Lord said unto me, say not I'm a child, for thou shalt go to, to all that I shall send thee. And whosoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. See, prophets don't have a just a place. I got to speak in one place only. It, 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 they're not vagabonds. God would set them into a, what I would say, a structured environment to release the heart and the voice of God. See, it's a difference. See, Moses was a prophet and a pastor. He was under a priest. And then what we know is when Moses, Moses, he had what you call a dual calling, okay? The pastor side of Moses would sit there and would listen to the sheep and they would go, Moses, Moses, Moses. And Moses would take that. He would go to God. He said, God, this is what the people are saying. But then the prophet side of him would have to come from God to the people and say, thus saith God. What we see right now we have pastors that's been in limited mode for the people and crying out. And what they're missing is the voice of an inspired speaker to say, God said, you're going to break through. God said, you're going to come through. And he said in the eighth verse, now don't be afraid of their faces. Now that's very interesting that God got to tell somebody don't be afraid of their faces because their faces will try to get you off. You ever see somebody, what we call back in the day, they call it a Joe Prison look. They're looking at you so stern to make you feel uncomfortable. So God said, don't let their faces throw up. But it's interesting. Why do you got to tell your prophet, don't look at their faces? Because what I put in you, it will go against the grain. It won't be the preach word to get everybody up, jumping in the air, but it'll be a sobering word. It'll be a word to bring you back to the God-ality. I did not say reality. I said God-ality. The God-ality, it makes sense of the word of God, of what it's saying and what it's doing. That's a God-ality. So the prophet has a word that's going to bring you back because the word is stern and firm. People's faces try to throw them off. He said, now do not be afraid of the face. He said, now I'm with you to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then he said, then I put forth his hand, I put forth my hand and I touched your mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. It's very important in this office of the inspired speaker that God's word is in your mouth. When people come to me and they tell me about their dreams, their desire, their aspiration, first I said, what's God's word on? If you ain't got God's word on, what are you saying? You're saying something, but it ain't being qualified without God's word on it. So first thing he said, I'm going to put your word, put my word in your, in your mouth. And this is the part that I love. The, uh, the, here's the, here's the, 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 the occupation, but this is the job description of the prophet in the next verse. It says, see, I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms. Listen to this, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, then build and plant. See, the prophet comes with different equipment. If we was to put in a sports analogy, the prophet would not be an NBA basketball player. The prophet would be a football player. The equipment has to cover every area because they are doing deep work to turn things over to get us the greater place. So he said, I told you this is what you have to do now. You have to root out. 
You have to pull down. You have to throw down. You got to destroy. And then after that, what's left after that, then you can build and plant. See, here's the problem. The church has been building and planting on top of mess. They've been building and planting on stuff that they have not rooted out. They have not rooted out anger. They have not thrown down the spirit of lying. They haven't pulled down the spirit of Jezebel or, or manipulation. Oh, no. They have not destroyed every sexual sin. But yet they want to build and plant on top of mess. So the prophet voice come to pull down, throw down, root out, destroy. Then he can build and plant. Now, the word build means birthing. The prophet never gets to the point where he can birth, or not him, God through him with birth, because normally the people get offended, which that means they off-ended their relationship because they're sensitive in the flesh that when a hard, stern word comes forth, that can't be God. God is love. No, God loves you enough to tell you the truth. I tell my brothers that's on staff with me, man, if I got a booger in my nose, please get it out. Do not let me go out public looking like a spectacle. Clean me up before I go out. See, that's brotherly love. See, that, that, that's that Philadelphia love. But see, we're trying to move past the Philadelphia love to get to that agape love, where when the word is said to your heart, you, you, yeah, it may take you back, but I'm so offended. I got to leave. I got to walk away. I can't be your friend. Or I'm ready to cuss you out. I'm ready to tell you all. I'm telling you, it's wild out there. This is why the church needs a voice that's going to slingshot them into another level. I remember this, the singing group. I know you don't know them. It's commission. And they should sing this song. The ordinary just won't do. I'm tired of seeing the ordinary anointing. How do we get to that place where we walk in that anointing that Smith Wigsworth raising the dead or open up blind eyes like A.A. Like Allen, you know what I mean? Like Jack Cole, like, uh, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm talking about men, men like Charles Finney. Maria, what was, how do we get to the place to flow in that power? We have to let a voice do a work in our life. Because many people don't sit there and let God do the clarifying. God has to send voices to you. And the voice that he sent when the pastor ain't getting the job done, come on now, when that teacher ain't getting that job done, when that evangelist ain't hyping you up no more, the voice he gonna send is a prophet. See, Lamentation 2 and 14 says this, thy prophets, they have seen vain and foolish things. If I bring it to our vernacular, he said, our prophets, they seeing something. But in that same verse, he said, but they're not seeing enough to discover thy iniquity. So this is what I'm saying. We got prophets that's coming to you, telling you half of the vision, but they're not telling you the full vision to help you be fully successful. They want to tell you a little bit because they're afraid if they tell you, you need to get out of bed with that woman. You need to stop lying. You need to stop your manipulation. You need to stop your pride and your ego trip. See, that's because we won't get invited back if they tell that. But who are we doing this for? Is it for us? Is it for the people? Or is it for the kingdom of God? By the way, I remind you, our headquarters is in the heavens. It's not here. So when we dispatch from the heavenlies and we're doing a service to the church, the church is just the vehicle. 
It's, it's just a conduit. That's all the way. We're just the vehicle of God expression. We got to get back to kingdom business. So he said, thy prophets, they heard or they seen, they seen something, but they seen vain and foolish thing. Now, why did I say that? Let's go to the 11th verse. And he said, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what are you seeing? He said, are you seeing something? He said, I see a rod, an almond tree. And then he said unto him, you saw well, you did a good job. And he said, then I'm going to hasten to perform over my work. It's very important that the church, them that's in priesthood, them in the fivefold ministry, especially them in the office of prophet, to see correctly. We can't see dimly in this hour. Right now, God is going to release the sharp eagle eye prophet. We think we're getting away with it. The Bible said, because sentenced against the evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the sons of men are fully convinced to do evil. See, that's saying because you've gotten away with your sin, you think God ain't going to catch you. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. But God is releasing the office of the prophet. And know what they're going to say about these offices of the prophets when they release like this? The ones that are released? Oh, they're judgmental. No, they're discerning. They're discerning in the spirit. And they're telling you what they see so they can help you in the natural. This is why this office must come back and be discussed and put out there part of the five-fold ministry. So I've, I've qualified three areas that I want people to pay attention to. First of all, I just went over the priest is called. We saw that. So the prophet is called. The pastor is called, the evangelist is called, the teacher is called, the apostle is called. There got to be a calling first. A calling of God may cost you nothing, but to continue that call going to cost you something. But if you want to go all the way in this calling, it may cost you everything. What are you talking about? It may cost you relationships. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you the elders of the church turning their back on you. It may cost people that called you every day as long as you was in their lane. You cool. But once you start letting God do something to you and elevate you, it may cost that relationship. Oh, it's going to cost you something. A call from God. But another area I want to say to you, priests don't sleep. <laughs> this right here. It's one of the revelations I live by. When people call me 12 a.m. in the morning, when they call me 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like every other man, I'm tired. But that revelation come back to hit me. Priests don't sleep. What do you mean? Go to Samuel, the third chapter. I'm going to find a way to break this down because all of it's good. All of it's good. So when I look into Samuel, the third, the, the third chapter, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. God got this pattern about raising up children, as you saw back there with Jeremiah. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. He's covered. And the word of the Lord was precious, was rare. There was a backslidden church again. Every time the church is backslidden, it's a call for the prophet voice to come forward. And he said, in those days, there was no open vision. Nobody wasn't seeing correctly. They seeing something. They see in part, but they're not seeing the full picture. And it came to pass that at the time that Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And this is the picture of the pastors in the church right now. 
when they should be up, attending to the things of God, they're laying down, they sleep. I want the people to understand something. God is saying something to you. God is saying, wake up, sleepyhead. Shambach, one of the most powerful men, a brother-in-law named Harry Donovan, he said this quote, it ain't my quote. He said, the man asleep that doesn't know he's asleep needs to be awakened. Oh my God, I feel God is waking the church, but he first got to wake the pastors. He first got to wake the five-fold ministry back up. And the one that's been left out was the prophet. And the prophet voice is coming. They're saying, wake up, sleepyhead. Wake up. And he said here, in the third verse, and the earth, the lamp of God, went out in the temple. Other words, the fire of God has gone out in the temple where the ark of God and Samuel was laid down too. See, the people going to be like the priests. Am I right? Like people, like priests. So Eli sleep. Guess who else sleeping? Samuel sleep. He ain't even tired. He just coming under control of what he's under. It's very important who you submit yourself to because the Bible said that's who serve it that you will become. So Samuel, with all the fire of God in him, growing as a kid in God, he got a sleeping priest, so now he's sleeping. The fire that went out in the temple, and guess what Samuel's job was? To keep the fire going. Woo! That was his job. His job would keep the fire going. And, the, and the, he said, where the ark of the God, uh, where, where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. Now, I want to just mess with this a little bit. The Ark of God or the Ark of Covenant of God, uh, that was something that the, the branch of the Levitical priesthood would carry. And, and they carried it uh, on their shoulders. But at one time when David got excited, he was bringing that thing back. He brought it back on the cart with oxen, okay? He had Uzzah and he had Ohio driving the cart. And the Bible says that the cart where it was coming over naked threshing for a stumble and Uzzah in his strength, he touched it and he died. See, you can't touch the things of God in your flesh and think it's going to be prosperous. And David got an attitude. David said, God, how am I going to bring this home to me? He sent that thing down to Obed-Edom house. And Obed-Edom house got blessed. So where the ark of God is at, the blessing is at. But they let the light go out in the ark of God. They was not managing the anointing in the right way. So God said to David, the ark of God only comes up on the shoulders of responsible priests. Come on, hallelujah. He said, go get me the Kohathites. He said, you put one here, you put one here, put one behind him, put one behind him, and put it on the shoulders. And this is how they're going to enter into Jerusalem. This is how they're going to enter into the church. The ark of God is going to be on the shoulders of responsible priests. This is why you can't sleep. Because when you go to sleep, the ark of God, the light goes out. The candles stop burning. People ain't praying like they're supposed to. They definitely ain't fasting. Oh, my goodness. Tristan, I don't know what you brought on your podcast today. <laughs> but this is the voice that's coming back. Huh. And he said in the fourth verse, and the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called Samuel. I ain't said Eli. The Lord called Samuel. And he answered. He said, here am I. And he ran to Eli. And he said, here am I. Thou callest me, and, and, and he said, I called not, I didn't call you not. He said, go back, lay down, and he went and lay down. See, this is the example of the leadership. You got a calling on your life. You go to your leader and say, hey, I feel God's calling me, but yet they cannot inspire the call. Why? Because they're lazy. They're sleeping dogs. They're blind shepherds. They're laying down, so they want you to lay down, because unless you stand up, you're going to outshine them. 
You're going to outrun them. You're going to out-prophesy them. You're going to out-preach them. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover while they got dead hands laying on the sick and they're falling out and not recovering. They don't want to be exposed. So Eli said, you know what? Go lay back down, boy. You've been a little bit too zealous for the Lord, okay? Go lay down with your zealous self. And then he said, and the Lord came and yet again, the second time, he said, Samuel, Samuel. And he rose and went to Eli. He said, here, miss, you called me again. He said, I called you now. He said, go lay down. <laughs> Don't you be trying to show me up, boy. <laughs> and then he said, look, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He wasn't intimate. He was a prophet in training. He said he did not know the Lord. Neither was there word that the Lord revealed unto him. He wasn't walking in the depth of this revelation yet, but he had a calling on his life. Listen, you may be out there and you don't know the scripture. You don't know the things of God like you should, but yet you feel God calling you. You listen, you're talking to a brother right here. When I was in my sin snorting cocaine, God was saying, you're going to get saved. When I was sitting out there drinking all the beer I can drink out of a keg, sleeping with a woman, God said, you're going to be a priest. And I knew that it was something different about God. I knew that there was something holy about him that I wasn't finding nowhere else. I ain't saying holy in a man. I knew there was something holy about God. You that yet not know his Lord, know his voice, and know his ways, God yet still called. And then he said, and the Lord sent unto him a third time, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's go. And he said he arose and went to Eli, and he said to him, here am I, for thou didst call me, Eli. And then Eli finally perceived that the Lord called him. And after he perceived, he began to give some instructions on what he needed to do. I want to get into the thing that, that he told you, but it's going to drag the time on. So I want to get to this third part. The third part is, man, what kind of priest are you? Oof. Let me tell you something. You remember when Judas had turned in Jesus? We know Judas turned over Jesus to the scribes and the Pharisees. But there's a scripture somewhere in John during the end of the chapter. I'm sorry I got that verse for you, but he, um, he got remorseful and repented about turning in the Lord and Savior. Other words, he got convicted. You know, some conviction is a good thing. And he went to not just the priest, he went to the high priest. And he said, I believe I did a wrong thing. You know what the priest said? What that got to do with me? Here's your money. You already paid. And the priest left. And then Judas was, Judas was so convicted, he threw the money. And guess what the priest did? Now they got self-righteous. They picked up the bag of money. They said, this blood money, we can't spend that on ourselves or the temple. And they went and talked, took the 30 pieces of silver, which is the number of redemption, they went and took it. I'm sorry, silver's redemption. They went and took the 30 pieces of silver and they went and bought grave plots with it. Death money. What kind of priest are you? When someone come and confronts you and say, I did wrong and you wrong with, what kind of priest are you? Are you going to be like David when the prophet came to him and Nathan the prophet when he and did all this stuff with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet told him about the UE that he had set up and got killed and David got mad and like who art the man and the prophet said thou art the man are we gonna confess and say yeah Lord I did that now help me see it's something interesting about the lady that was caught in adultery it's something interesting and Jesus did forgive her 
But the part we leave out when he said, now walk away and go sin no more. There got to be another level. We got to have the ability through God to come out of it. So what kind of priest are you going to be? And I'm going to end it up, man, this guy right here that I'm getting ready to read about in 1 King, the 22nd chapter, go to the first verse. This guy is called Micaiah the prophet. And he's been turned by my spiritual father, Prophet Kevin Powell. He has been deemed as the prophet that I don't like. <laughs> How do you get a nickname as the prophet I don't like? Well, let's 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 read about this prophet I don't like. And it says here, and and they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know you that Ramoth Gilead is ours. So he's saying, you know what? This is our city. This is our land. We need to go take it. Why, why are we ain't walking in this thing? That's, this is exactly what he's saying to him. And he said, uh, we be still and take it not out of the hands of the king of Syria. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, he said, now will you go up with me to battle with Ramah Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said this to the king of Israel. Uh, I am as thou, thou art, my people as your people, my horses, your horses. This is foolishness, guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, the Bible lets us know don't make any tangled alliance with the enemy. You cannot hook up with everybody. I know he quoting scripture, she quoting scripture, we're all the same, but God got a different calling on you. So when we talk about don't being unequally yoked, yeah, that's not just what unbeliever. There's some Christians that are operating in the sensual, fleshly, humanistic realm, and they're mixing. They're dabbling in the darkness and the light, and yet we're not going to be the one to qualify them or unqualify them as a Christian. If they call on the name of the Lord, we're going to just give them the due season. They, they bless, they save, but they mix it. They walking in the low calling and not the high calling. And so the case with Ahab and Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was walking in the high calling. Ahab was walking in the low calling. Ahab had that love for that lady called Jezebel. Y'all get what I'm saying? So he said here, in the fifth verse, and Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, I inquire, I pray thee at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. Other words, he said, is there a word that you can give me about what we're about to do? Smart king. Then the king of Israel gathered all the prophets together, about 400 prophets. You remember Elijah who came against them, 400 false bail? Now you got 400 prophets. I'm talking about this in the church. This ain't outside the church. It's something about 400 people. And he said unto them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear? And they said, go up and the Lord shall deliver it into the hands of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, is there not yet another prophet? He said, all 400 of the prophets are saying the same thing. Is there another one that got a word from the Lord? That's all he's saying. He said, is there another prophet besides the ones that's saying this? A first. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, his name is Micaiah, the son of Emelah, by whom we may inquire of, of the Lord. But I hate him. Listen to that. I hate him. Let's read on about this hatred. For he never prophesied good things concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. See, it's something about perspective. Because you're not, you're unrepented about your sin. And every time a prophet come to you, they didn't, the prophet, listen, the prophet word don't change until you change. 
So he wants a different word, but yet he's still manipulating. Yet he's still transpiring or trespassing in the things of God, but he want a new word from the prophet. So he don't like him because the prophet word doesn't change. He's like a broken record. You ever heard a broken record? It goes back and forth. It can't get off the words that it's saying. That's the voice of the prophet. And then the king of Israel called an offering. He said, hasten hither to Micaiah, go get Micaiah, the son of Emelah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat on each other's throne, having put on their robes in the void of the places. So they want to let them, they sit, they're doing their ceremony things, they hear words. And, and, and then the, the, uh, they sat at the gate of the entrance. And then all the prophets came up and prophesied. Here it is. It's entertainment, guys. All the 400 prophets. The king sitting on the wall. Here comes the entertainment anointing. Everybody coming up and prophesy. I want to show you my anointing. I got a correct word. Oh, I got a word from the Lord. And then they come up and start prophesying. Uh, 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 11 verse. And Zechariah, the son of Chenana, made him horns and, of iron. And he said, thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push shearers until they have consumed. So, so Ze Zedekiah, he did like this, made him some horns on his head like he was a bull. You're going to do this to the enemy you're gonna you're gonna get them out of here you're gonna you're gonna beat them down and then the 12th verse said and all the prophets prophesied so all the other other ones saying the same thing go up to ramoth gilead and prosper for the lord shall deliver it into the king's hand and the messenger that was gone that the and the messenger went and got Micaiah the prophet he spoke and said this to Micaiah. he said and I check this out now all the prophets they're declaring something good to the king with a with, with one mouth and let thy word, I pray, be just like they were. Other words, you better come and line up and say what all the prophets are saying. What kind of priest are you? It's because everybody's saying the word is popular. That got to be your word? Huh? No. I, I challenge you. Be different. Be unique. Be who God has called you to be. So in the 14th verse, Micaiah said this. As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saying to me? That is what I'm going to speak. Now, check out the 15th verse. He, he backslid a little bit. Check this out. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, uh, shall we go to against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, go up, prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it unto you in the hand of the king. <laughs> His whole tone changed because he knew that wasn't the word of God. He wasn't inspiring. He wasn't trying to hype him. So he gave him a flat word. 16th verse, he said, and the king said to him, how many times shall I tell you, do not lie to me? <laughs> he said, tell me which is true in the name of the Lord. And then he said, okay, you want it? I'm going to give it to you. You asked for it, you got it. He said, I saw, I see. It's important for the prophet to see. He said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills. Let me stop right there. I hear God saying for, for the backsliding pastors and leaders, he said, I'm going to smite the shepherd and scatter the flock. Woo! I feel that anointing. If you ain't going to hear and heed to the word of the Lord, he said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills and sheep that have not uh, 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 as sheep that had no shepherd and the lord said these have no master let them return every man to his house in peace and the king of israel said unto jehoshaphat did i not tell thee that he would prophesy no good thing concerning me but evil and he said hear thou therefore the word of the lord 
He said he ain't finished prophesying. Oh, he loaded, Jack. He's been holding his prophecy for a long time. He said, and I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he shall that he may go up and fall to Ramoth Gilead. So he's telling him, I put a lion spirit in the mouth of those prophets. So I convinced them who's going to go up and persuade him. And one said this manner, and another said this manner. And there came forth, stick with me now, a spirit that stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. A spirit of seduction. If you are seduced, guess what? You are reduced. People, lives, ministries, they are diminishing right now because a spirit of seduction that's, 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 that's headed by the spirit of lies. And the Lord said unto him, we're with, we're with. And he said, I will go forth. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Now, listen, God ain't got no lying in him. But God did not stop the lying forces of the enemy. For speaking thus saith what's wrong with the with him to this man of God. 23rd verse. Now therefore, behold, the Lord put a lying spirit in his mouth, and all these prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil concerning thee. But Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, went near, and he smacked Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way the spirit of the Lord come from now? His accuracy so prophet and unnerved him, it broke out a spirit of violence. The Bible said, be angry and sin not. After that, he smacked the prophet on the face. And he said, which way the wind going now? Since you so accurate with your prophecy. And then he said in the 25th verse, and he said, and Micaiah said, behold, thou shalt see the day. Now he's still prophesying. See, every time somebody prophesies, it's not that they got to get up and say, thus saith God. See, the church has been religionized. We got to, so for prophecy to come forth, we think we got to do this. Oh, I see, I see, I see. That's religion. See, Peter was prophesying when he said in his book, know this in the last day that perilous times have come. He was prophesying. But he didn't get up and saying, but say of God. When you in the prophetic mode, you flow with the voice of God. So he said, in other words, this day is coming. And when thou shalt enter the chamber on the 25th verse to hide thyself, and the king of Israel said to Micaiah, and carry him back to, to Ammon, the governor of the city, to Joab, the king. And he said this, listen, thus saith the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with, uh, with bread of affliction. Give him a little water, a little piece of bread and, and until he come back in peace. Let him get himself together because he beside himself. He ain't right. Sunday ain't right. But the 21st, listen, he said, Micaiah said, if thou return in peace, he said, the Lord ain't spoken to me. He said, other words, if you don't die on the battlefield, God don't lie through me. Come on now. See, when they said, when Samuel, when he was full mature, let me, let me go this fast forward from a child to a man. When, when, when Samuel would come to the city, the Bible said, did you come for peace or did you come for war? That's the anointing that Samuel carried from that child who did not, the word won't reveal to the place when, when Samuel came to the city, they were shaking in their boots, guys. They were scared. We're not trying to talk about scared of the flesh. They knew that he walked with God. 
there have to come back a reverence for the thing and the voice and the name of God. And this part of the fivefold ministry is here to restore the honor and the respect back to God. He said, you come for war or you come for peace. When he said, if you come back, and, I, and, and he said, if you come back, otherwise saying that prophecy wasn't real. Let me tell you something about Samuel. When he said to Saul, he said, this day, Saul, the kingdom has been ripped from you, and I'm going to give it to the hands of your neighbor. Saul was not worried about the kingdom, I mean, about God. He was worrying about his church. So he grabbed the prophet by his robe, and he ripped the robe. And if I have a movie in my head, I can see Charleston Heston with a beard turn around saying dramatic form. And, and this is what he said. And so shall the kingdom be ripped from you today. Woo. See, you better watch it. What prophets do is prophetic. People think, oh, that's just brother so-and-so. When somebody come up to you and say, you got a nosebleed, let me bleed, bleed, uh, clean you up. They could be saying something prophetic to you. You don't know. It's not there to scare you. Listen to this. It's there to prepare you. The preparation of a thing is better than no thing. We got to prepare for the proper performance. I'm coming down. Priest, God is calling you back to your positions. Fivefold ministry. I hear Clarence call, blow the trumpet and sign, sound the alarm. I hear Clarence call to come back to prayer, fasting in the word. Tristan, I don't want way over the time that I told you. I do apologize, but the thing is good to me and it got good to me. Go ahead. I know you got a few questions that you want to interact with. My volume is gone. Hold one second. All right. Are you unmuted? Are you unmuted? All right. There we go. I can hear you. There we go. Yeah. I'll just edit that out. But um, so I think that people nowadays are afraid to step into their calling um, and step into their gifting. Like I've seen people um, tell me dreams that they have. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, that's extremely prophetic. Do you know that you're prophetic? And then you're like, no, I right. don't do that. That's not right. You know, and they're afraid of that. And I'm like, I, I don't know why, because I, 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 I believe that God imparts gifts. I believe yes. that I believe that we we should step into these gifts and yeah. callings that we have because yeah. because yeah. we have a kingdom purpose we have a, a job in the kingdom yes that is yes to serve God's purpose in His will you know yes uh, yes so how how would you help someone to step into their calling and throw away that fear yeah here's one thing um it's it's a funny thing that when it comes down to callings that people with, with foul things like this is spooky, this is weird, but yet we will go hang out at the haunted house during Halloween time. 
Yet we'll go sit at movies that cusses out, have gory killings. Mm-hmm. We must, when we, when we to try to go to explain somebody by qualifying their call, we must show them that first of all, they was built and it was birthed for kingdom business. And we must help them recognize that God has always been real in their life. Even though you have, may have not listened to him, obeyed him, God has never stopped wanting you and loving you. But to make them understand that the Bible says this, if you will draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And just the fact that you got a dream, God is calling you to walk, call you nearer. Once we give people hope that God wants them and love them, it kind of drops their defense. He do? He wants me? He loves me? Once their defense is dry, we can go and minister the strength, the life, uh, uh, the believability that they have a calling on their life. But we must be consistent at it. That's good. And what I've been learning is practicing that gift, you know, like you finally step into it, um, practice that gift. You may get it wrong. Like you, me and you were having a conversation the other day about sometimes you get a word wrong, you know? Um, and, uh, how, how would you, I I loved your answer to that. So I'm gonna ask you that question now. Like what, what happens when we get a prophetic word wrong? Like what, what do we do? Well, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. First of all, you have to take yourself off the pride seat, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as we're wrapped in human flesh, you can give an inaccurate word. Yeah. Uh, the Bible said the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it but God? We have to allow God clean our heart up. So he said, uh, my son, give me your heart that your eyes can observe my way. Why is not the priesthood, the prophet, the fivefold ministry seen? It's a heart thing. And as long as your heart is still full with gook, you're giving an inaccurate word, even though you think you're giving a prolonged, in-depth word, okay? Because what, what people do when it comes down to, I know I got the word of the Lord, and they let it fly, and it, and it, and it comes down as flat. They believe their pride is out there, but no, it's God's reputation on the line. So because if I heard wrong from God, I need to admit it. I need to, I need to go to God first. I'll say, God, you know, I missed it. I didn't get that right, God. And you're going to miss it more than you're going to hit it. But that's what you call practice. And when Moses was in the, in the desert, before he went back, became a deliverer, Moses practiced the anointing. He said, Moses, take your hand and stick it in your bosom. When he pulled it out, it was white as leper. He said, now put it back in there. And he put it back. It was here. God was showing him practicing healing. When it came down to the magicians with their staff, he said, he said, Moses, take your staff and put it on the ground. And it turned into a snake. And then he picked it up and it turned back into a snake. God let him practice that anointing. But listen to this, in the wilderness. Practices before performance is very important. When Moses went to go stand before Pharaoh, because he practiced, he hit it on the bullseye. When he went to Pharaoh, he had the confidence to say, thus saith God, let my people go. He wasn't saying, let Moses' people go. He was saying, let God people go. So the hitting it wasn't 
him getting delusional that now I've been practicing and I got all this power and I'm going to weld it to myself. No, he stayed humble. The Bible said that Moses was the meekest man in the earth. David said this, thy gentleness has made me great. Oh my God. And we can come back to the place to know that we're not God. We're not the Holy Spirit. And we don't have all the answers. And because we have a zeal for God, we can misstep from time to time. But let God clean that up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that it it really is that. And um, the next question I want to get into is kind of really really something we need today in the church. And that, that is prayer. Like we we've talked about and what we've been doing at our church is praying yeah. Wednesday. I, I was in a call with uh, pastor Brenton in South Africa. Yeah. He's telling me that his church just transitioned to doing prayer in the morning and in the yeah. online service and in person. And they do that every day of the week now. Wow. Um, wow. And that wow. was really encouraging to me because that that's showing that in other nations and around our country that, because mm. I'm, I'm seeing like we had um, Pastor Dwayne Parker on his church also yeah. transitioned to do full prayer yeah. with no worship, no preaching, just prayer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing all of these different churches sprout and bringing prayer back into the yeah. church. And I believe yeah. that is an answer to prayer that we've been praying for. Because, yes. yes. Because I think a lot of the times we, we pray over the nations and we just expect something to happen. But when we actually pray over the nations and we see it starting to change, that's powerful. Mm. Um, mm. And I think that's what we're seeing. So I wanted to get your perspective um, on why churches need to be praying and, and um, teaching how to pray and how to build that relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my heart's saddened. Um, in the midst of all the great things God's doing, because the lost art of prayer in the majority of America's churches are in effect right now. Um, Jesus said men ought to always pray and not faint. And we see a lot of fainting going on, but yet people won't pray. Tristan, many you know that our church is going through a lot transitional season, but yet when we open the doors for prayer night there's no more than 20 people um you come in every sunday and you know who's here praying already before the service already start and i've never made an invitation to anyone to come to come with me six o'clock in the morning on sunday to pray but i post it so people know that i'm there prayer is a clarion call for everyone not one person or not one group of people are called to pray we're all called to prayer. God said he wanted his house to be a house of what? Prayer. A house of communication. When people get out of church mode and get into kingdom mode, you'll understand that we gather here, that we may contact headquarters and communicate and let headquarters communicate back to us so we could be the vehicle of expression throughout the world you know the old church said no prayer no power we don't have that power like we used to because we stopped praying mom dad and, and this is this is something real good is somebody that was not a preacher but she wanted her husband church to break out 
She said, God, I'll be on the altar every morning at five o'clock. And he said, if you would just break my husband's church open, send the people. Well, God did that, but God did something unique also. God used her as a ministry that would heal people, deliver people, set people free. And here she was a housewife that said, I'm just going to be, I'm going to go to the church and pray every morning at five o'clock in the morning. At the end, there was lines around the corner, Tristan, lines to get to that prayer. I think you're muted again. Oh, yeah, I'm muted. There you go. I will yeah. sign your answer. But, but it's, it's, it's a thing right now that my heart really pains me because prayer seems to be the lost art. Yes. The people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Mm -hmm. Humble themselves. People have not been humbled yet because they won't come pray. I'm not going to wait till calamity hit my doorstep, Tristan, to pray. I'm not waiting for the next big thing, 911, you know, the towers. I'm not waiting. Why don't we get on our face now and let's do preventive care? Mm -hmm. By the way, did I tell you I'm the care pastor at Biggie Church? Yes. <laughs> and this is what we do. We care. Mm -hmm. And how do you care? Get on your face. Consult God. Consult the heavens. Mm -hmm. Go knock on HQ doors. Hey, guys, I need some instruction. Hey, guy, I need some angelic hosts. But mm -hmm. as the church, we rather play basketball, play video games go out to dinner yeah. and it's nothing wrong with none of those things mm -mm. but when there's a clarion corporate call to pray when there's a people who come to meet to pray there was a day that you should want to break down the back end of the front door of the church to get in to pray but we don't have that anymore sir we're praying that we can get back to that yeah and i think the pandemic really hit a lot of churches hard and i feel like yeah. that should have been a time of stepping into prayer more than yeah. anything um yeah i think i think the way um the church handled the pandemic was pretty i think mm. there's good parts of it but i think we handled it wrong as well in other parts because i think yeah. something timothy was saying in the last podcast was is that um when the heavens opened over jesus it doesn't say that they closed you know so the amazing thing is is that we have that access through Jesus to God and the prayer, yeah. the prayer is all a part of that. And all we, a part of that. We want to leave that out, but but what happened? Like like I've seen praying for the sick as a priority, but I've also seen other churches as a oh it's it's weird. And then I'm like, why is it? Why is that weird? We we should be we should be stepping into the the callings, the things that God that God calls us to do. He says, go and heal the sick. Yeah. You know, um, love. Them yeah yeah but but it's just even that with, with i i encourage you guys to do um what pastor brian has gotten me into doing and i love it is um praying for uh, turning on some encounter music and just praying your heart out for an hour yes come on come and on. i mean i've seen i've seen testimony come out of it like i mean my spirit's communicating with god and i'm I, and yeah. i'm not in a transactional relationship with god but but you want to have that that um, that servanthood of yeah. relationship where you're in yeah. constant communication with him, and he is your father, and he, he wants yeah. to talk yeah. to you. 
please don't just talk to him when you need him but talk to him talk to him when you don't need him talk to him come on those times when you're when you're just walking around the house or instead of watching a movie why don't you pull out your bible and enter prayer time with him you know like encounter mode you know don't just make it your prayer closet but make it your prayer house and that's that's i love it because this week um in our 30 minute teaching on prayer Mm -hmm. that's where we at praying without ceasing yeah unbroken fellowship it, it is attainable um it's not weird it's not flaky um our spirit man is equipped to pray pastor cho in seoul korea he said something that really was an indictment against the church in america mm. he said we in seoul korea we pray much and preach little you in america you preach much and pray little and for the staff that I'm with, which these are great guys, and God is raising them up. He's raising up all these guys to go to different levels. But I said, if you got to preach, make sure you pray more than you preach. Mm-hmm. Do not stand in God's authority and pulpit if you have not prayed through this and out of this and into this. Because if you are praying less, you're going to find that yeah. the power of God is going to be void in your ministry. And let's be right. Let's let's be real. Yeah. We want God's power. Okay. We don't want the devil. We want God's power. That's why Simon tried to buy it in the book of Acts. <laughs> power is attractive. Mm. Power is anointing. Power is successful. Mm. We want God's power. I didn't talk about man's power. We want this. Mm-hmm. So Trisha, I, I just appreciate and I love the conversations yeah. that you're thinking of and and the zone that you're in. It really blesses me. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Um, since we're talking about prayer, I would love for you to just pray over everybody that is um watching this back. And uh yeah. I'll just shout it out, guys. Um, if you if you're in the Chattanooga area, you should come by Venue Church on Wednesday at 6 30 um PM at the um Chattanooga campus. I mean and just join us it's it's a really good time of course you have we have a prayer small group at the end of it at seven um we'd love to see you guys there but yeah will you go ahead and pray us out pastor amen father i just thank you and i bless you i i heard you clearly say that this is the day that you have made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it father i feel a new level of gladness i feel as we're coming to a closing part of this year but I yet feel your hand accelerating things in this closer part of the year, Father God. So as we come through the month of October, November, and December, Father, I'm praying for a Baal Perez. I'm praying for the God of the breakthrough. Break us out and break out among us, Father. I'm praying, God, and coming to the end of the year that you make the crooked places straight and the rough places plain. I'm praying, God, that you would catapult your body with a new strength, with a new anointing, Father God. I'm praying, God, to break word curses, God, that's been spoken out against the body of Christ, God. I heard you said this old school uh, a nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break our bones when names were never heard as God. Father, we speak against the names that come against the name of Jesus, and we break word curses over the body of Christ. Wow. Right now, Father, I thank you because I heard you said you're going to do a new thing, mm-hmm. and now this shall spring forth. Let it come forth mightily, God. It's in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. 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 If you guys have any prayer requests, um, put them in the comments and we'll put your name on the board. I love you guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you can stay up to date with all Bethel Moments content.